I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets, a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Todd, and today I have with me my friends Burke and Rivka. How are you today, Rivka? I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. I, I honestly have no idea if I'm supposed to. I've lost track of, of what number we're on. Like, are we on invitations? Are we on life updates? I don't know, but it, it never goes wrong to talk about the weather. So tell me, <laughs> tell me how your weather is. Uh, it's, it's sunny and blue skies bordering on a level of heat that I feel is inappropriate and disrespectful, (laughs) (laughs) but we have a shady back porch and a good breeze that comes through. So we're still able to enjoy some afternoons out on the patio. Very nice. I love it. Wonderful. Well, good. I also have today, Burke. How are you, Burke? I am enjoying a wonderful evening. Let's chat some conference, shall we? We shall. The talk we're going to discuss today is A Voice of Gladness by Elder Kevin R. Duncan of the 70. And of course, I love the title. There is an exclamation point in there, which makes it even better. And I feel like, tell me if this is my perception, but some conferences I feel like every talk is about something terrible and how depressing life is and how it's just a struggle and then you die hoping for something better in the next life. But I feel like joy was a big theme in a number of, of talks this conference. I don't know. Did, did you guys feel like that? Yeah. I didn't really, but you know, I can miss that. So, (laughs) and (laughs) that's true. It could be confirmation bias on my part, but, uh, I also think that the pendulum swings back and forth. You know, sometimes we, we got to talk about the joy, sometimes not. But this one is definitely about joy. And we will start with Rivka. Mm-hmm. What was the fundamental doctrine you picked out from this talk? Here's the sentence I loved the best. As temples and covenant keepers grow in number, the adversary grows weaker. Mm. Yay! Isn't that great? <laughs> I feel like that's good news of the gospel. Because so often in our world, it feels like like the adversary's power is growing in strength, and it feels like almost an insurmountable fight where we're having right now. And he does say later, in this mortal life, we will never escape the war, but we can have power over the enemy. But I just loved that reminder um, that as the number of temples and covenant keepers grow, um, the adversary grows weaker. And we are certainly seeing an increase in temple numbers. And that only happens when we have an increase in people attending the temple. So awesome. (laughs) I love it and very hopeful and glad. What's funny is in the same paragraph, I did not highlight that sentence, but I highlighted the the beginning of the paragraph, which was a little more ominous, like uh, (laughs) the adversary is on alert. And he does anything he can to try to stop the work. <laughs> That's true. It's true. But we, we're going to win. We we are winning. Yes. Yeah. 
we have one past have and future tense, right? All the tenses. All the tenses. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Burke, what uh, fundamental doctrine did you pick out? All right. So I kind of marked that whole paragraph you both just talked about as well. But I this one I felt like kind of had like the two fundamental doctrines that complement each other, like the good side and the watch out for the evil side. So the other good side here is he says he's talking about um, a friend of his in Tokyo that toured the temple. And he said, Mm -hmm. at the conclusion of the tour, I invited our friend to share his feelings. In reference to the uniting of families, past, present, and future, this good man asked in all sincerity, do the members of your faith truly understand just how profound this doctrine is? He added, this may well be one of the only teachings that can unite this world that is so divided. And I just, I never have thought about temple work specifically that way. I think about it uniting, um, covenant keepers that are living with those who want to make covenants on the other side. But I don't know if I have understood how profound the doctrine is. So it was a good reminder for me. Yeah, I really loved that. Um, And I never thought of it that way either, Burke, but I remember back to my mission and I'll be interested to hear the cultural difference between my mission and yours, but I served in Portugal, a very Catholic country, and we would try to teach people about eternal families like, uh, hey, did you know you can be with your family after this life and in heaven? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, of course you can. Like, why wouldn't you? And and we go, oh, well, your church doesn't teach that. And also, when you got married, you said, until death do us part. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Like, I'm definitely going to be with my family after this life. <laughs> so in a weird way, they were already united by the doctrine that they believed, even though their their church didn't believe it. So. I don't know. What was your experience in Korea? I rarely got to a point where we got to even talk about this with somebody. Maybe, ah. a, maybe a handful of times. So um, I don't actually remember specifically getting to this very often. Okay. Yeah. We were generally trying to like, um, you know, you spend a lot of time with the whole who is Christ and why do you need him? Right. Right. So this was a long ways past there, but the, like the church had stickers that were fairly well recognized from, I think a time a little bit before I was there that said, um, families are earth's heaven. So kind of a spin on the families are forever kind of that idea. And those were kind of everywhere. So people kind of knew about those. So sometimes it would come up, but yeah. Also, I don't know if my Korean was ever really good enough to discuss this idea in depth. (laughs) Right. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, Different experience and the culture and language differences are so strong. Yeah. Yeah. That it's totally different experience. Well, I still appreciate that observation, which was from a, not a member of the church saying, Hey, this could unify people. So obviously there were lots of talks about unity in this conference too. Mm -hmm. Well, my fundamental doctrine was an invitation right at the end and I just really liked it. So It seemed like the core of his talk. He said, I witness that you will feel joy more and more as you enter the holy temples of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And very broad there. Um, He didn't say just to do endowments or how many times a week or a month or or a year. Just said, the more you go to the temple, the more you will feel joy. And I love that. And I want to feel more joy. So I'm going to go to the temple. See, I had the same thought and I marked that area and I was like, well, I guess if I want more joy, I just have to go to the temple. So 
<laughs> it's interesting that you feel you need more joy as well. I would not have suspected that, but <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't phrase it that I feel that I need more joy. It's just that <laughs> I can never have too much joy. So fair. that's fair. true. Um, all right. Well, good. Let's break down some other parts of the talk here and go back to Rivka. What else do you want to talk about from this talk, Rivka? Hmm. Well, let's see. I liked the reminder a couple of times um, that, well, he says, as members of the church today, some of us may find it easy to take these glorious eternal truths for granted. They have become second nature to us. And then later he said, what could become common or routine for us is sometimes seen in its splendor and majesty by those who hear it or feel it for the very first time. And I spent some time um, this week thinking about that and how the Lord has kind of built in opportunities um, for us in in our families and in our ward families to have new or to see these experiences happen through eyes with children in our ward who get baptized or opportunities to teach them with the missionaries or attend baptisms for new convert members. Um, and I just was thinking how grateful I am for so, the opportunities that I've had to do those things. Um, that give me that glimpse once again of just that sort of like pure excitement and the newness of, of, I don't know, finding the gospel. And I was probably also thinking about it too, because we're going through, um, our son is, is going through the temple to receive his endowment tomorrow evening. And we get to go do that with him. So I just, I'm grateful that the Lord has built in opportunities for us to <laughs> see other people experience these things for the first time. So we can have checks to our maybe taking things for granted. Yeah. How has preparing with Jack for the temple changed how you view the temple? Um, I don't know that it's changed the way I view the temple, but but I am grateful for the conversations that we've had and the questions that he's asked that have caused me to um, focus on certain aspects of of temple worship and the covenants that I've made and the ordinances that I participate in that that become sort of routine, you know, as we've talked and tried to prepare him for it. It's like, oh yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that, or this is something that's going to come up that's new that I've been doing for, you know, decades. And yeah, so mostly just the focus and the reminders. It's great. The honing. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I love it. Sometimes seeing it with new eyes once again is a great experience. So, yeah. And he, you know, he kept saying, like, I just, I want to know these things because I think it's really important that I understand the covenants I'm going to make before I go in and start making them. Yeah, And, you know, and I thought that's true. And maybe I can um, try to be more mindful as I go through, um, you know, for others, but just that reminder of the specific covenants that I'm making and taking some time to think about how I could maybe, um, live those, the specifics of those covenants a little better or, um, a little more focused. Yeah. That goes along with your year long or at least six month long invitation <laughs> to make your routine or more routine, holy habits, more of a witness. 
to right. the Savior, right? Yeah, and I feel like I've had a lot of opportunity to do that in our discussions with him. So Yeah, that's awesome. I know that I personally, um, I always joke that I, I suffer from lecture-induced narcolepsy. So if I'm sitting and someone's talking, there's a 50% or greater chance I'm just going to fall asleep. <laughs> um, so I have, I have nodded off in the temple multiple times, and I don't intend to do it. I don't go in planning to do it, but I tell you what, I did not do that when Aliyah and Lawson went through the temple and yeah. it helped remind me of how intensely I paid attention the first time I went through and tried so hard to soak everything in. And yeah, it, it helps me to, when I think of it in that way about going again for the first time, I helps me recapture that feeling a little bit. So, mm-hmm. all right. Burke, let's move on to you. What else did you want to talk about from here? This is kind of an extension of what you guys were just talking about. And I agree with all the same things Rivka said in talking to Jack and thinking about the covenants and also with what you just said. Um, it's made me think about the first time that that I went through and yeah, how focused I was. And um, I've of course had many other really great experiences in the temple, but um, it reminds me of this part from this talk where he says, we all shouted for joy in our pre-mortal life when we heard God's plan of happiness. And we continue to shout for joy here as we live according to his plan. And it's, I don't, I don't know that I do a lot of shouting for joy. And sometimes I wonder if I, if I somehow missed that. And <laughs> even in all my years of sharing aspects of the gospel with others and families come up a lot because I come from a large family. So I've, you know, It'll come up in a conversation and people be like, wow, you have so many siblings. Like, why do your people in your church have big families? And so then it's like, well, you know, you explain how we care about families and so much of our joy in life comes from our family relationships and we want those to continue. I don't know that I've ever talked to someone who was like, wow, that's a great doctrine. It always just kind of fizzles and go away. And so I always expect it, people to love it more than they do. And I don't know why I haven't encountered that. More of a question than a statement really, but... But I agree that I think it is quite wonderful because, again, most of the joy I get in this life that I notice comes from relationships, you know, with the people around me, and specifically with my family. So, yeah, good question, Burke. I, I also am not sure I've seen anyone jump for joy or shout for joy when they've heard the doctrine. Um, it's more of an underground river kind of joy, you know, powerful, but. Yeah. Um, well, even like the quote I shared earlier, where the guy is kind of blown away by it, like, wow, this is such a profound doctrine. And generally people just kind of shrug and go, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wonder if some of that is, you know, because so many families um, these days are not the ideal are broken or have have drama or hurt or um, abuse that has gone on. And so it's hard for, I think, a lot of people to wrap their mind around the ideas of family being a joyful thing. Certainly, like our media and our society does not promote that idea at all. So it's, it's pretty foreign. But then when you run into people who do have good family situations, it's almost like this (laughs) like this little nod of understanding, you know, like a club, like, yes, we love this. It's, it's wonderful. But I wonder if that's some of the reason why we don't hear that super often. Yeah. Interesting. Modern culture and the impact 
on how we view that doctrine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, if I can take a sidelong tangent here, mm-hmm. um, you know, Burke noted that we, we shouted for joy in the pre-mortal life. We actually shout for joy at some of our most sacred moments at temple dedications, uh, at the sustaining of a new prophet. And, um, it, you know, it, it talks about shouting for joy multiple times in here. And, um, you know, personally, I could use a little more shouting for joy in church. (laughs) 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 Goes against the culture. I know we're all about reverence, but I could use an amen or hallelujah every once in a while in the middle of sacrament meeting. I agree. So I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but the first um, person that I uh, taught on my mission who was receptive to what we were teaching who actually got baptized was an older gentleman, probably mid to late 50s funny that I say older gentleman now, not that much older than me now, but anyway, seemed very old at the time. <laughs> and he was from an evangelical background. Actually, the missionaries just before I got to the area met him while he was proselytizing for another church in the area. And I don't think he would ever stop doing that. And, but it was funny because I wasn't used to that in meetings, but yeah, we'd be sitting in sacred meeting and someone would say something good and there'd be an amen from the corner, you know, and I kind of nice. enjoyed it. And he was just, he was enthusiastic. He felt it. So some of that, yeah, that shouting for joy, it was kind of nice. Yeah, I love it. In the Book of Mormon, at the Waters of Mormon, Alma, the people who get baptized by him, clap their hands at the baptism. So, yeah, we don't always have to be reverent. Sometimes we can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So, um, okay. I I did like at the beginning, speaking of of great joy and and shouting for joy how he quoted quoted from the doctrine and covenants he, he used a lot of scriptures in this talk and then later he quoted a whole bunch from president nelson he did so were there any quotes from president nelson that really jumped out to you i, I didn't i didn't realize how many temple quotes president nelson had made of course obviously that shouldn't surprise me but rivka any of these president nelson quotes that stuck out to you sure Um, how about this one? The time is coming when those who do not obey the Lord will be separated from those who do. I don't even know what that means really. But then he says, (laughs) our safest insurance is to continue to be worthy of admission to his holy house. So whatever that separation means, there's a way to be safe and protected. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's talking about second coming sorts of things or or just the natural separation that occurs as people fall away or yeah. uh, but how how is it how is that insurance, you know, to be worthy of a temple recommend basically? How is that insurance? Well, obedience to the Lord is is a mandatory requirement for being (laughs) temple worthy. So I guess if, if obedience is what keeps us safe, then we can know we're doing all right. If we are, um, if, you know, if we have a current temple recommend and are living worthy of it. All right. I love it. Burke, how about you? Any president Nelson quotes that you loved in here? Well, I guess the question is, do you need miracles? Or do you need the healing and strengthening <laughs> power of the Savior Jesus Christ? Because if you do, I have a President Nelson quote for you. 
<laughs> so in answer to the, do you need miracles? He says, I promise you that the Lord will bring the miracles he knows you need as you make sacrifices to serve and worship in his temples. So I guess you're one of those people that's like, miracles don't happen in my life. Maybe put it to a test. Start doing a little more temple work. You know, carve out some time in your schedule. Find yourself some miracles. And then as far as the healing and strengthening power of the Savior Jesus Christ, he says here, President Nelson reassures us that everything taught in the temple increases our understanding of Jesus Christ. As we keep our covenants, he endows us with his healing, strengthening power. And oh, how we will need his power in the days ahead which is both joy-provoking and ominous at the same time. <laughs> Indeed it is. Um, have you seen miracles, Burke, as you've attended the temple? I think most of the miracles that I've seen from the temple have been changes in my own life. A lot of times, small miracles, but miracle none- nonetheless. The biggest one being, um, and I've brought this up many times, when I was... Um, trying to think of the right word, striving, wrestling with the decision um, to go into medicine or not when I started receiving those promptings. And I remember one specific session at the temple wherein thoughts were answered with scriptural quotes almost immediately. Like every concern I had was answered right after I thought it in my head, multiple ones in a row. And yeah, so I think receiving that kind of direction from God is definitely miraculous. And the changes it brought about in my life afterwards, I couldn't describe as anything but miraculous. So, All right. That's a great example. Um, last year, I think it was last year, during Tithing Settlement, I asked members of the ward what spiritual blessings they had seen from atten- from paying tithing. And I feel like this quote is a little bit like that, where it takes a little bit of digging, a little bit of thought. So, you know, an experience like yours, Burke, is, you know, a clear straight line from, you know, request of a miracle to a miracle. However, a lot of times when I look back and I think, all right, we worked so hard to attend the temple. I didn't have any specific miraculous experiences in the temple. But as I try to connect the dots, I see, oh, my life was filled more with the spirit. I was able to do these things and so on and so forth. Um, so I think sometimes those miracles or blessings need to be looked for and the dots need to be intentionally connected. So, yeah, because I wonder how often when you get closer to the spirit where the spirit is guiding you all the time and you don't really like notice it just because you're so used to just kind of doing what you're told (laughs) for lack of a better term (laughs) and it blesses your life immediately. But yeah, you may not be paying attention. Kind of that thing I've talked about before with the tailwind, you can't feel it. Yeah. Right. Actually there's a, I think it's doctrine and covenant six where um, the Lord says to Oliver Cowdery that he was led by the spirit and he said, otherwise you wouldn't have arrived. So the implication being, Oh, he, he didn't know that he was being led by the spirit to that location, but he was. Yeah. Um, which I think is really fascinating. So, and then we had a, this, you know, this is a memory from more than 20 years ago. Of, uh, so take it for what it's worth. But um, Elder Holland came to our mission and somebody asked him in a Q and a, like, how do I know if what I'm thinking is, you know, the spirit guiding me? Cause as a missionary, you're always like, should we go knock down this street or the next yeah. street? Should we go visit this person or that person? Yeah. And you're trying to be like constantly guided And, um, he basically said along the lines of, if you're being obedient and living with the spirit, 
then your thoughts will be the spirit's thoughts. So, and that's a pretty high standard, but I love that idea of sometimes they're inseparable. You can't tell when it's yeah. spirit because you're, you're living righteously. So, yeah. and sometimes that kind of goes back to the direction of elder Scott from his pivotal talk, the supernal gift of prayer, which yes, we have discussed where he talks about kind of the same thing, but moving forward with faith and then the spirit will correct you if you're not going in the right direction, but either way, the spirit is still there to guide you. So indeed that is true. Great. Well, let's move on to invitations and promise blessings. Rivka, we have actually talked about some of the promise blessings already, but what invitations and blessings stood out to you that he discussed here? I'm trying to look through this and find some that we didn't talk about because we've done such a good job of it. Todd cheated. (laughs) I did. The fundamental invitation and blessing. (laughs) The fundamental invitation. I like that. Well, okay. How about this? He, toward the beginning of the talk, um, he says, uh, he was talking about the baptisms for the dead being glorious and joyful. Then he said there were a host of other gifts or endowments that God had been eager to bestow upon his sons and daughters. These other gifts included priesthood authority, covenants and ordinances, marriages that could last forever, the sealing of children to their parents within the family of God, and ultimately the blessing of returning home to the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. All of these blessings were made possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I wrote out to the side of there that the atonement of Jesus Christ is the center of our temple experiences. So all of those are blessings that also come as we... um, decide to follow, I think, the fundamental invitation here about going to the temple more often. I love it. And that connects some dots between joy and the Savior. So that's fantastic. Excellent. Burke, how about you? Let's see. He says, let us as disciples of Jesus Christ also praise our holy God and rejoice in his goodness to us. And I feel like I try to be pretty thankful, but I don't know if I do praising and rejoicing as much as I should. So perhaps I need to work on that. Yeah, I love that. Um, That will go along with the one I picked out, which is footnote 15. It's quoting Doctrine and Covenants. And it says, and let these thy saints shout aloud for joy. So I don't know if I'm going to tell you outright to shout aloud for joy in sacrament meeting, but uh, find some other way in time to, to experience the joy that comes through the gospel and and shout with gladness and gratitude uh, to the Lord. So that is my invitation from the talk. All right. Well, that was a good one. And our next talk is President Nelson, Peacemakers Needed. Uh, Very excited about this one and about every President Nelson talk, really. In the meantime, you can get a hold of us on social media at Words of the Prophet Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Maybe not Twitter. I feel like Aaliyah hasn't been saying that lately. Or you can email us at wordsoftheprophetspodcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit and you listen, 
by the Spirit. Some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.